If you have your Bibles, let's open them together. Our Christmas story is in the first couple chapters of Matthew and Luke. I preach them around this time of year, uh, every year. And uh, we're going to go to them again for the next few weeks before we end up at Christmas Eve. Uh, And we're going to talk about fear as it uh, appears in the Christmas story. Uh, Three times angels appear to the characters Uh, that we remember every Christmas, to Mary, to Joseph, and to the shepherds. And each time uh, they say some form of this refrain, fear not. It's a common uh, sentence, command in scripture. I looked it up on Google. You can do it right now if you don't believe me. How many times does fear not appear in our Bibles? And the first thing you'll find on Google is that uh, lots of people have arrived at this number, 365 times. Now, of course, you keep going down and people are like, here's why it's not 365 times. Here's why it's less. Here's why it's more. Um, I haven't studied it personally and counted myself, but uh, wouldn't it be just like our God to give a message in his word for each day of the year that we live to remind us? To not fear because he is, because he is able. Uh, It's a common theme that we cover in scripture. And uh, we're going to start covering it here in this series called Fear Not. A couple notes as we open the series. There's two kinds of fear. I'm sure you could say there's more or define it in different ways. But the the kinds of fear that I'm going to talk about as we gather are the the fear of the known. That's going to come later and the fear of the unknown. Fear of the known. Those are things that we've experienced in the past, had a negative experience, we're not doing it again. You know, fool me once, shame on what? Me, fool me twice. I I never get that one right. Anyway, uh, uh, turn to someone next to you and share with them uh, the thing that you've experienced in the past, you know you don't like it, you're not doing it again, you have a fear of it because you saw it happen before. Go ahead, turn to someone next to you and share that. All right, I trust yours were interesting. Uh, I have a friend that I golf with, uh, his name's Ronnie. He's not getting back on a plane. Is anybody, is it, was flying anybody's fear? Okay, most of us are okay with it. Uh, my buddy Ronnie, not so much. He, he got on a plane, uh, flew for most of his adult life, got on this one flight, it was terrible. Just lots of turbulence when they landed, he thought the bottom of the plane was coming out and he's like, that's it. And it doesn't matter if you say to Ronnie, you know, you're at greater risk of getting in an accident on the way to the airport than you are being in the plane, right? He's like, no, it's fine. I'll drive to Alaska, which he did. Uh, I'm not getting back on a plane. My, my wife, Eleanor, um, this was what hers would be. She, she was a, a young girl riding her bike through her neighborhood. This huge German shepherd uh, came running out of a yard, got off of its lead out of the gate or whatever, and chased her down the road and just kept biting at the back of her legs. And so we see German Shepherd. She does not see, no. Oh. She sees, get it away. I don't want to be near it. Uh, and uh, I'm leaving. I'm never going to own a German Shepherd. All right, no problem. The other fear, there's the fear of the known. Anybody want to guess what the other fear is that we're going to talk about? The fear of the unknown. The things that we haven't experienced yet, but because we've heard from others or we've perceived in our mind that they're going to be bad, we're just not going to do them. 
Uh, turn to someone next to you. What's a fear that you have of something that you haven't yet experienced? A fear of the unknown. Share that what that would be. You guys aren't playing. Talk to each other. Go. Just... Okay. Everybody get one? Uh, one of my favorites uh, that I hear is that certain people are afraid of certain animals, though they've never been within six feet of them. Like, who has a fear of snakes? Anybody afraid of snakes? Never touched one? Don't want to? Okay. Uh, as someone, I'm not a snake lover, but as someone who has, you know, had a boa around my neck and, and experienced, you know, snakes without dying, I can assure you, you probably, your, your fear is unfounded for the most part. Certainly there are some snakes you should stay away from. Uh, but I've been in the house where someone is a snake lover and we're over there with a life group or something like that. And, and everybody goes back to where the, the snakes are kept in the shed and certain people are in there and they're like, uh, and other people are at the door being like, mm. are you with me? Yeah, another one. Uh, this is probably a classic for most of us who grew up uh, you know, and learned how to swim. But was anybody else troubled the first time you got on the diving board? Does anybody remember that moment in life, right? I just remember I'd never dove before, and, and uh, I thought it was going to be awesome. I was those you know kids who was like, let's do this, uh, but I wasn't ready. You know, as a, I don't know how old it was, six, seven year old, uh, at Devon Park Pool in Fredericton, New Brunswick. When I got out on the on the edge of the board, I wasn't ready for how that was going to feel. I'd never done this before. Now I'd swum around, you know, with my doggy paddle in the in the shallow end for the whole summer. But now it was finally time. I had passed, did you have to pass a test? We had to pass a test so that the lifeguards would know we wouldn't drown. And so I had passed the test and I was finally, you know, by right, able to dive off the diving board. But I got up there and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And of course, I got all the kids in the line behind me. What are they saying? Chicken. And they're yelling at the lifeguard, make him go. You know, that whole thing. And I don't know how long it was, but it was a long time before I finally just, all right, here we go. And all it took was the one time. Anybody have an experience like that? Once, once you got over your fear of whatever it was, you're like, oh, I love this. Whether it was roller coasters or, you know, diving into a pool. I mean, I, that, that's how I get in the water now. I'm going head first. I hope it's deep enough. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's the fear of the known, what we've experienced and don't want to experience again. And there's the fear of the unknown. We're going to talk about that one today. I've got to make a slight theological correction, though, uh, when I talk about the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown isn't really the fear of the unknown uh, for God, because God knows everything. Can I just throw that out there? Uh, he, he's all-knowing, omniscient, um, has no fear. God has nothing to be afraid of. He's omniscient, knows everything, nothing surprises him. He's all-powerful, omnipotent. And, and, and nothing can harm him. He's got nothing to be afraid of. You and I, frail. You and I, limited in our understanding of things. So we fear the unknown, but for, for God, the unknown is known. So what we really fear, theologically, is the God known. And I like putting it that way. Some of you are like, what's the difference? I like putting it that way because it reminds me that the God who made me, who I serve, who's in life with me, knows what I don't. And I can trust him to be in control and over the things that I have yet to experience because he knows and meets me there. Uh, one more thing about fear before we go on. Uh, I've heard it often preached that fear is the absence of faith. Anybody ever heard that before? 
It, I can understand where, you know, preachers get that and, and want to say that. Um, but I, I don't want you to think that fear is the opposite of faith or, or that fear is the absence of faith. Fear is just one of the choices that we have when it comes to the God-known or the unknown things in our lives. Like, like if, if the future were a coin, all right, and our approach to it had two sides, the one side would be fear. I don't know what's going to happen. I choose to assume the worst, to experience dread in this situation, and I'm going to do everything that I can to control it so that I can manipulate my circumstances and it can head in this way. Fear and dread. On the other side of this coin is the other option that we have when it comes to facing the unknown or the God known in life. Faith and hope. Faith in God leads us to a, a comfort, a, uh, an expectation, a trust that allows us to hope. Like when Paul wrote, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love, I don't have time to go into all of what love is, but faith and hope, they're cousins. One precedes the other. If you don't have faith in God, you'll never have hope in God. And if you don't have faith in God, you're probably living in fear and dread is your MO. Never saw this more aptly illustrated in one situation than when we uh, went out to teach our son Ben to ride his bike without the training wheels at the age of six. Um, my wife Eleanor was there. If you know my wife, she's a positive person. She is can do. She's like, let's do this. And that's her approach to life. She just grabs it by the face. And, and, and so she's out there and she's looking at my son, Ben, and she's so excited for this day to finally arrive. We're going to take the training wheels off and Ben's going to discover the joy of, you know, two wheel, uh, you know, uh, propel, propulsion. And, and, uh, and, and he's just going to fly down our sidewalk, sidewalk and come back and forth and back and forth. And, and our dog, AJ, will chase him, which is what ended up happening eventually. But uh, that was her. Our son, Ben, we used to call him Eeyore. It's a Winnie the Pooh reference. Uh, if something could go wrong, it would go wrong. It's just how he's always been. He understands it. He gets it. It's his bent in life. And so as a six-year-old, he comes to a bike without training wheels, and he immediately starts spinning in all of these negative directions. He's, he's always been a smart kid. He was super smart at his age, kind of precocious. And so we put him on the bike, and I'm holding the back of the seat, and we start going down, and he starts freaking out, which is not good if you're going to ride a bike. Is everybody with me on that? Got to keep the wheels straight, hit the pedals. He's doing neither, right? Why? Because he is just uh, spinning in these negative thoughts. We're like, Ben, if you fall off, you're just going to fall on the grass. It's no big deal. He's like, no, it's not. I'm going to fall. I'm going to break my arm. I'm going to miss the rest of first grade. I'm going to flunk out of school. I'll be stupid. I'll never get a job and I'll die poor. He's, 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 I'm like, hey, whoa, we're riding a bike here, buddy. And finally, gets over the fear, dives in the pool, touches the snake, pedals the bike, whatever and has been doing it ever since. Hmm. Which are you when it comes to your future? Are you fear and dread? Are you faith and hope? Sometimes uh, they can switch back and forth within a moment, depending on the circumstances, depending on the challenge. Has uncertainty about your future got you paralyzed? 
Are you trying to stay positive in faith and hope? In that uncertainty, but you're losing ground to fear and dread, glad you're here. We're going to learn how God wants us to approach the God known, the unknown for us through the story of one of the central characters in our nativity scenes, the mother of Jesus, Mary herself. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Christmas story as it begins with Mary. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And Mary says, Gabe, how's it going, buddy? So good to see you. Come on in. Is that what Mary said? Nope. Why? Luke's going to get to her reactions, her actual words here in a few verses, uh, but he pens for us what was later made known to him about Mary's initial experience with Gabe the angel. Uh, It says that she was greatly troubled. Uh, The shepherds were kind of similar. In the King James Version, the shepherds were sore afraid. So afraid, it hurt. That's kind of how Mary is. She's freaking out. Uh, I don't know what you picture when you see angels in your head. Maybe it's the precious moments version, you know, the fat naked babies, you know, floating on the clouds and stuff like that. That is not what an angel looks like, in my opinion. Uh, Angels are fierce uh, spiritual warriors. They battle uh, the evil forces that are coming for us, right? Uh, They would not uh, inspire comfort in their appearance to us, right? And so it's no wonder that Mary's troubled, not just by, you know, a a spiritual being, being in her presence, but uh, she's probably starting to be like, what is this? What is about to happen here? Perhaps fear and dread already starting to seep in. A couple things today. The first one's this. Um, When we talk about the fear of the unknown, uh, that kind of fear often shows up when God interrupts our plans. Anybody got some plans for the rest of the day? Okay, like three of you. I, rest, I hope the rest of you figure it out. I hope that works out for you. Most humans wake up with a basic picture of how the day's going to go. Anybody got lunch after this? I'm going to try to get some. Anybody? All right, that's your plan, right? And then football, fellas, anybody going to watch some football? Uh, 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 anybody gonna, planning to sleep tonight? Going to hit the hay, you know, sometime, some of you earlier because, you know, you're getting the free meal at Denny's at four and now you're going to, you know, knock off and uh, whatever. All right, we got a basic plan, right? Anybody got plans for the next couple of years of life? Next, you know, just a general sense of where this is going? All right, now, let me ask you this. Anybody had those plans changed? Yeah, all the time, right? It's just life. How are you with that? Yeah, I think uh, frustration a lot of times. My son Ben was uh, heading up, my, my son Cooper's uh, birthday is today. And so yesterday morning we celebrated his birthday and my son Ben was planning to meet us for our brunch at our house, but he uh, started down his uh, road where his apartment is and his uh, back left tire or front left tire, one of his tires, blew, just went kaplow. And, and when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that was, that was gonna happen. I'm glad it happened here instead of you on the highway, but he needed a new tire. Anyway. That wasn't part of the plan. Uh, he calls me, hey, I'm going to be late. 
Um, I gotta, you know, I got to figure this out. Now I got to pay for this tire, and I had all these plans today. I was going to go practice with my band and blah, 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 blah. But everything's wrong. Who's had that day? Anybody had that day? Yeah, everything. So I go to help, and he's frustrated because he can't make the jack work. And who's had that? Anybody had that? Yeah, so we finally get his tire changed. And, and, and that's what life's interruptions bring, frustration. And thankfully, this was a more benign one. But then there's the, the, the life changes, the, the, the interruptions that come, and it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? This was not on the schedule. Mary's got plans. She's betrothed to this guy, Joseph. She was probably between 14 and 16. Ladies, as soon as you were able to bear children back in this culture 2,000 years ago, uh, you were promised to a man, usually from your village, uh, from a fine family, and, and, and you would start uh, in life with that guy, uh, having your family. And, 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 and so Mary's thinking, I'm going to be married. I don't know if she's got her bridal book out, right? Like I'm doing a wedding later today, and I know that the bride and the groom are both intricately involved in organizing what I'm going to go and preside over here in a few hours. Um, I don't know if she had her bridal book, if she was going on Pinterest, you know, to get some ideas from other brides you know, uh, but Mary had this plan. I'm going to marry Joseph. I'm going to be Mrs. Joseph. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and off we go. And here comes this angel and he's about to say some stuff that's going to take her off of the plan. Can I give you something that God has given me over time in life to help me with these interruptions? See, what we see as interruptions uh, from God in the plans that we've made are really invitations from him to be a part of the plans that he's made. Are you with me? Not to say that our plans are evil or wrong, but they may just not line up with the things that he has for us. And so when he intersects with us and says, not this, that, it's not a curse. It may seem so. It may be hard in its beginnings, but ultimately, it's going to lead to a greater good, uh, something that he desires. It's an invitation, not an interruption. If you read your Bibles, this is how he kind of moves his story for God uh, in, in the lives of just normal people like you and me. He comes to know and he says, hey, Noah, things are getting out of control here on earth. I'm going to redo. I'm going to go you know, back to the drawing board. And so I need you to build a boat so uh, you and your family can kind of help me start over. And so Noah builds a boat in the desert. Move forward. Uh, he's uh, hanging out, uh, or not God's hanging out. God's always hanging out. But this guy Moses is hanging out. Uh, he's uh, uh, on the lamb. He is a fugitive from the law in Egypt. He's already murdered somebody, and he's just kind of hiding out in Midian. And God sets a bush on fire and has a conversation with this criminal. And he says, hey, Mo, I need you to go back to Egypt, and I need you to go to the palace that you were raised in, and I need you to tell the Pharaoh that my people need to be let go. What do you say? And Moses was like, this is crazy. Didn't want the interruption. Perhaps didn't see that it was an invitation. You go forward to the New Testament, and some fishermen are just hanging out in the city that they're, or the town that they had grown up in. I was just there uh, about a month ago, and uh, they're just, you know, trying to fish for some, you know, some fish. It's what their job is, and, and they're not having any success. And some carpenter from Nazareth, who's been teaching on the shores where they work, says, "Hey, flip your nets over." Try the other side. And they're like, what? And, and he's like, just trust me. And so they're like, fine. 
and they get one of the biggest catches of their career. And at the end of that, this guy, this carpenter Jesus from Nazareth says, hey guys, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And these fishermen, raised by their fathers, also fishermen, to do one thing, fish for fish, drop their nets and follow the carpenter. My favorite story, probably from scripture, this interruption invitation thing, is when this guy, uh, Saul of Tarsus, is walking towards Damascus to kill him some Christians, to persecute what God had established uh, in his church. And he's on the road, I was there too, uh, headed towards Damascus. And Jesus himself um, stops him, blinds him, speaks to him and says, hey, why are you persecuting me, bro? It's in the Greek. And Saul becomes Paul and writes most of the back of your Bible. Why? Because his plans were not God's plans, and God changed the course of his life. Uh, he's done that with us. You might not recognize it, uh, but many of you are sitting here as a result of God interrupting slash inviting you to different things that weren't a part of your plans. I was standing at the wedding rehearsal Friday night for this wedding I'm doing today, and I, I, uh, I met this couple that I'll know for the duration of the wedding and then never talk to again. Has anybody been to a wedding? That's how these things work. Oh, you're so-and-so, related to so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. So I'm standing there in this line waiting for our dinner, and, uh, and they asked me this question, just a get-to-know-you question. So how'd you get to Florida? Which could be a really long answer, or a really short answer. When I was talking with them, it just seemed right to give the short answer. But as I was talking to them, I thought in my head, how did I get to Florida? Because I've told you this before. I grew up in a pastor's house. When you asked me as a kid what I wanted to do when I grow up, I just said, not be a pastor. I'll do anything else. Scrub toilets, uh, you know, uh, just do whatever. If you, that's what you do. I think it's a great job. But I'll, I'll do Anything else, just not this. How's it going, right? And uh, so I end up in life uh, making plans and God saying, nope, you're going this way. I ended up at a Bible school. I met a, an amazing Christian woman. I, I, I uh, you know, renewed my faith in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, I'm a pastor at a church that my dad works at in Illinois. Uh, I, I get a letter one day after working there for four years from a guy who is the pastor of a church in Dallas, Texas. I don't know anybody in Dallas, Texas. But this guy knows me through his father's church in Milwaukee where I had applied for a different job and had no business getting it. And so he's writing me a letter and I end up moving to Dallas, Texas. I was a Texan for nine years. And then I'm sitting there in the ninth year that I'm in Texas and I was supposed to plant a church with that church in Texas as the teaching pastor, but they decided to go in a different direction. You know, I thought we were going to zig. They zagged, right? And I got out of that meeting, and I went online the only time I've ever done this in my life. I looked for a job that I could possibly go to since this wasn't going to happen. And the first posting I saw on this ministry website was for Bay Life Church in Brandon, Florida. Never heard of it. Didn't know where it was. Yeah, thank you. You're gracious. Okay. But listen, I just saw the church and I wrote this sophomoric email that says, wow, your church looks really cool. I had no idea that they had just launched 
their search team, I was the first one, I believe, to respond to this posting, and everybody who was in this church that was supposed to find the next pastor just went full court press on this kid from Dallas, and all of a sudden, I'm sending resumes, which I'd never written, I'm sending sermons, I'm, doing all, I'm having all these conversations, I'm, I'm interviewing for a job I did not want. I was not looking for. No one lives in Florida. You visit there at spring break. (laughs) And over the course of five months, God made it abundantly clear that this kid who never wanted to be the pastor was going to serve as the pastor of a church and been doing that for 18 years. And so when I look back over my life, I understand that at times, as God kind of intersects with what my plans were and in interrupts and and invites me to other things. He's doing what he's doing for my good, for his glory. Are you in a situation right now where God is interrupting your previously scheduled program to do something different in your life? Is that producing in you fear and dread? Can I encourage you? to look at it from a different angle and to understand that what might seem like a curse to you could be a blessing in your life that God interrupts so as to invite and to lead us in the directions that he has for life. And that when you feel this fear, he wants to comfort you as you get used to this new idea. That's why the angel says to Mary in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary because you found favor with God. Paul was writing a letter to his buddy Timothy a little bit later in our New Testaments, and he uh, was encouraging this young pastor to be courageous and bold in his leadership of the church there in Ephesus. And he says to him, hey, Tim, we haven't been given a spirit of fear and timidity. We've been given a spirit from God, by God, that is marked by power and love and self-discipline. If you're in Christ, and I know many of you are, fear's not a part of our makeup anymore. Let me clarify. Of course we're gonna, in our frailty and in our humanity, feel fear, but we have in Christ, in his spirit, the power to overcome fear. In his love, we can face whatever comes in life. In in, in the discipline that he provides, not us, him, we can move forward and not waver. We haven't been given fear. Hmm. The angel says to Mary, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Now, have you ever wondered if the angel pauses here? You know, he gives her the whole there, there, and then gives her a chance to like, uh, just kind of catch up with what's going on. He says there at the end, um, God's gonna give you favor. You have found favor with God. You think she maybe wondered in those moments, what does that mean, favor, oh, I like favor. I found favor with God? Maybe he's going to make it out so that uh, when I, uh, you know, signed up for that, you know, drawing on TLC for the, for the free honeymoon, maybe I won that, right? Or, or maybe, you know, uh, Joseph is, is going to get, you know, a, a free lease on a camel for, three, you know, a year. I don't know. I, mean, maybe, I don't know what she was thinking. That one was weird. But uh, the angel goes on to explain what he, he means by favor. Look at verse 31. Behold, he says, You will conceive in your womb 
and you're going to bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. I picture Gabriel getting excited because he has been told by the Father this great news of, of, of great joy, this, this redemption plan that starts with his son being born as one of us in, in the flesh, and he's going to live and die and, and resurrect, and, and all of humanity will have the option of being reconnected to God by faith in this, his son, Jesus Christ. He, he, Gabe's smiling. You'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and you call his name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. I picture him just like, "Uh, yeah, right? Let's go. That's Gabriel. Here's Mary. And you will conceive in your womb. Here's nothing else. 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old Mary says, pardon me? I'm going to be pregnant. She'd been to health class. She knows how this works. She'd uh, worked her whole life to preserve her purity, to remain a virgin. She hadn't even, you you know, we can assume, been around men who were not of her family. And she hears that she's going to conceive, and she starts, I'm, I'm, I don't have this, it's not written down in her books, but I can picture her, like any one of us, being like, pardon me? I'm going to become pregnant? First of all, how? Secondly, that's bad. Because if I become pregnant in this culture, in this time in life, or in, in history, uh, here's what's going to happen. They're going to try me at a trial. And then the Sanhedrin or whoever's in charge of, of my judgment will find me guilty of, of being you know, uh, out of wedlock and, and pregnant. And then they're going to take me outside the city gates and they're going to throw rocks at me until I'm dead. Sorry, ladies. That's how it was back then. So Mary's, I don't know if you've ever had that kind of news from someone. They, they say, I got great news for you. And they say, no, you're going to have to have surgery or something like that. And you're like, what, wait, what? Surgery's good? And the doctor goes on and says, yeah, it'll make all these things better. But all you hear was, I've got to have surgery. And you stop right there. I've got to go through this. What? That's where Mary is. Mary says to the angel, uh, after probably just hearing the first part, uh, how will this be? How am I going to be pregnant since I am still virgin. She's curious about the mechanics of this deal, wondering how that's going to happen. So like we said, fear often shows up first when God interrupts our plans. We should see those as invitations and choose faith and hope as opposed to fear and dread. But then fear often grows, maybe we do that well in the initial stages, but then fear often grows as God's plan becomes clearer in our lives. Fear often grows when God reveals his plan more fully as it is occurring here in the life of Mary. So as we finish today, I want to just talk about how we face uh, the God-known fears of our lives. How do we, when when, uh, God interrupts and invites and things start to seem worse, more than good, How do we stay in what God has for us and face the fears of the unknown God known in our lives? Three things. We're going to see them in the reaction of Mary and in the words of the angel. 
The first thing that we need to remember when we face our fears of the unknown is, is we need to rest in the power of God. See, we're powerless. Everybody gets that we're powerless to control what happens in our future, right? Some of you are like, no, Mark, I've totally got it. I've got my future nailed down. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this, and it's going to be like this, 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 and this, and this, and that's what's going to happen. And I would refer to you to the fourth chapter of James where James tells his readers that we are like vapor. We make these plans saying we're going to do this one day and we're going to do this one day. And we have absolutely no assurance, any of us, that things are going to work out like we plan. And so how blessed are we to have a God who we can look to, who knows and who is able to control and lead us into our unknown future. The angel answers her and, and explains this. Uh, says, the Holy Spirit, verse 35, will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy and the Son of God. And um, he, he goes on in verse 36 and we'll talk about that verse in a, sex in, in a second. But uh, uh, he says, in verse 37, all that Mary needs to hear in this situation, listen, I know this seems crazy. I know this seems impossible. I know you've got all kinds of fear and dread that could be tied to this, but I can, can I just assure you that you can rest in God? Why? Because, verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. I love that they put this in the future tense. In your future, the impossible is possible with the God who has found favor with you. And he'll take care of what you don't understand and you can rest in him. The youth pastor, Eleanor and I used to take groups to like uh, uh, kind of universal or Disney type things in the Midwest. We'd go to Six Flags St. Louis or Six Flags Chicago and we'd take these you know, huge groups of kids up there and we'd take our children with us as young children. Uh, they would kind of hang out uh, and, and so uh, if you've taken your family to Disney or Universal, uh, everybody gets there, we're excited, yeah! And then the, the day goes on and the sun beats down on you and you've spent 10 hours riding rides and waiting in lines. And then every, at nine o'clock the fireworks are done and everybody leaves the park at the same time. And if you've ever taken your grandkid or your kid, four years old, they're done. Been there? And I remember my four-year-old daughter just being at one of these parks and one of these trips and uh, we started walking. She's getting bounced around by all the crowd that's trying to find their car and get to, you know, the exit. And, and, and she's just getting jostled, and she's finally had it. Good-natured kid for the most part, but you know, on this particular night, we're done. And she starts weeping loudly and won't move another inch. And so as a good father, I leaned down to her and I said, you're embarrassing me. Stop this right now. Is that what I said? Some of you are new and you're like, wow, this guy's a maniac. It's not what I said. I did what fathers and daughters have been doing, I'm guessing, since fathers and daughters were like on the planet. They have this like little dance. The daughter reaches up, the daddy reaches down. I, I caught my daughter just under her shoulder and I picked her up by that one arm. And she knew how to swing her legs just right so that it's like a dance. She just kind of landed on my shoulders, right? And I grabbed her ankles and she rested her hands and her chin on my head and all was right in Six Flags. Because dad was gonna walk me out. I could leave the drive into him. 
I didn't have to worry about another step in this deal because I'm safe on the shoulders of my father. Oh, that we could all learn this and actually do this with effect in life, trusting that our heavenly father can be rested in. He's got the power. He knows what's going to happen, and I can wait for him and, and, and just trust him to do the driving. Rest in the power of God. If you're anxious about your future, feeling fear and dread, rest in the power of God. Be reminded or remember the work of God. I skip verse 36. Perhaps uh, the angel, God, as he you know, instructed him, uh, thought it would be helpful for Mary to see some external proof of the impossible being accomplished by her God. And so in verse 36, he says this, Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was once called barren. He's like, hey, Mary, I know it's probably harder for you to believe, so God has already gone before you into the world that you live in to show you the impossible and how it is possible for you. Your cousin Mary who has been without child into the later years of her life. Her and her husband, Zechariah, have prayed to be blessed with a son. God has blessed them with one. In the same way that that felt impossible in your family, what he is saying through me to you is possible because God has the power to make it so. I was uh, blessed to baptize about 10 people this past weekend at our church. Uh, several of them we, we got to do on our Sunday morning services. We had two guys come out on our Saturday night service, uh, both of them just super uh, excited to be following Jesus and uh, gave great testimonies of, of their joy in Christ. One of them uh, was a guy named Sean. Sean was kind of unique. He was late to the party. He had only uh, you know, gotten a, a hold of us uh, midweek to see if he could be baptized this weekend. There was a reason for it. He lives in Nashville. Uh, he grew up at our church. Uh, is, is in his mid-20s and, uh, and, and asked, you know, because he was going to be home over Thanksgiving weekend or I don't know what week, I think it was that, something like that, that he'd, he'd be able to be, you know, baptized when he was here. Uh, I got done dunking uh, Sean. Uh, we stepped out of the tank last Saturday night. It was kind of cool. I am better conditioned to weather the cold temperatures than he was. So through chattering teeth, um, Sean took me aside. I thought it was just going to be a brief, you know, thank you and so grateful that we got to share this moment together. He says, hey, man, I got something I got to share with you. I was like, oh, cool, all right. And uh, he kind of detailed for me his story. He said, hey, man, I grew up at this church. Um, was taught all the things about the gospel. Um, and as a young person, you know, thought I believed. But as I got to college and later on in life, I, I abandoned everything uh, that I had held to uh, when I was here. He said I was probably agnostic, but certainly not following Jesus in any kind of way. And life did what it did with me until I finally, you know, just recently uh, put my faith back in Jesus. And I want you to know it's as strong as it's ever been, and I am so excited to be following him. Um, and, and I wanted to be baptized. But I didn't know that I wanted to be baptized here or at my church in Nashville uh, until I came six months ago to a service where you were preaching, this is what he says to me, where you were preaching about your son. 
and the choices that he's making in his life uh, in not following Jesus and how hard that's been for you. And the Holy Spirit said to me in that moment, you need to get baptized here. So after you're done being baptized, you could have this conversation with your pastor and let him know that as he is praying for the return of his kids, that it happens. Yeah. That's how I felt. I thought it'd be a little weird to clap at the end of his conversation. That's how I felt. I still get kind of choked up when I tell it. Because I know, like many of you, you're praying for someone you love to know and follow Jesus. And I'm so grateful for the many instances. Give me a second, sister. For the many instances. (laughs) I know you will. For the many instances in life where God, not just with a kid who's gone astray, comes home. But where God, who uh, I prayed last night with a family whose uh, daughter is in high school and she's been battling brain cancer for almost a year now. And they're hoping for God to deliver her from this. And to hear and to know other families whose children have gone through a similar thing and God has provided. And to be able to look at those examples of God's miracles in the world around us. It's what enables us to face the fear and the dread that comes with the unknown. The last thing is this, we need to rest in the power of God. We need to remember the work of God and we need to recommit with the courage that only God can give. I love how this story ends here. Mary hears from the uh, the angel, hears about Elizabeth and this is her response in verse 38. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be, Beatles. Let it be, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel leaves, Gabe's gone. That's it. Hey Mary, you're gonna be the mother of Jesus. Uh, Trust that God is able to do what's impossible and that he'll see you through this uncertain fruit. she, She didn't get an itinerary. She didn't get an agenda of how this was going to go. She still didn't know how Joseph was going to react. She still didn't know if this was going to come to fruition for sure. But she chose in the face of her unknown, of her God known, to say, let's go. What's your mindset on this day? When it comes to your future, fear and dread or faith and hope? My prayer for you and for me that as as we move forward into the tomorrow that we don't control, we would constantly stand with Mary and in her words say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be be to me as you will according to your word. I thought that'd be a great great way for us to end our service today. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing in a second about our cornerstone. He's our Savior, Jesus. If you're unfamiliar with him, we preach him here. There's no other way to come to the Father except through the Son, Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't know him, I pray you meet him today. But for those of us who do know him, here's the deal. Every one of us has this in common. We do not hold the future. 
but we are in league with the one who does. And so may we, like Mary, be able to say, in any eventuality, behold, I am your servant. Put that back up for me. We're going to say that together. Here, I'm going to give you a second to pray before we say what Mary said together. Just so you can say it from your heart. Not just because the pastor told me to. It's what I got to do to go have lunch. I want you to say it from here and mean it so that when life changes, and it will, when God interrupts and invites, you don't freak out. It's not fear and dread. It's faith and hope and expectancy, excitement to see what he has next. Just pray that God gives you that, and then we'll say the words. Go ahead, pray to yourselves. Okay, join with me in the words of the mother of Jesus, Mary. Say it with me. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. May Jesus be your cornerstone. And may he see you through the unknown God known of your life. Father in heaven, on behalf of everybody standing in this room and joining us online, this is my prayer. Give us courage, your courage, to face what we cannot control in the future that we do not hold. May we wake up every day and say, behold, I am your servant. Let it be. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.